Howdy, welcome to CCC Hardcore. I'm George Parker, and I'll be your host, bringing you stories today of core members of the California Conservation Corps, because every core member has a story that deserves to be told. Today, um, we'll have an abbreviated episode. Um, first, I'll bring you a couple of recently occurring stories with the CCC. Um, earlier this week, about Tuesday, um, October 23rd, um, two crews left California to head to uh, the Florida Panhandle to help in hurricane relief efforts. Uh, one crew from Fortuna Center in the north and one crew from San Diego Center in the south. Um, they'll be gone for an entire month. They will be coming back on Thanksgiving Day. And they're going to be helping clean up uh, in the Florida Panhandle on the Gulf Coast. From what I understand, um, these crews were handpicked. Um, it's, not like, it's not like it's one crew from... Each, you know, it's not like it's a, a designated crew from the center. Um, they picked people from the centers um, for their skills and talents that they had that are going to work on this crew. So they, they're loaded up with Sawyers and with hazmat specialists. Um, and they're going to go spend a month helping to clean up in Florida. And uh, our hats off to them and uh, wish them a safe, a safe trip and a speedy return. And also in the news in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, uh, the CCC has a new a residential center, which is great news. They, re they open up a brand new Delta Center in Stockton, California. Um, there was a, a center in Stockton, a Delta Center, for a lot of years. It was located at the old state hospital grounds in the middle of town. And there came a point when those old state hospital grounds uh, went to... Um, the state university, um, I think Stanislaw University, uh, wanted it for a campus. Uh, so the CCC had to move out, uh, became a non-residential center for, uh, for a while. Uh, and they just reopened a, a new center, um, outside of town a little bit, uh, on the east side. The facility was designed specifically for uh, the CCC, which is unusual, but it's becoming more common. Um, the first facility designed and built for the CCC was Fortuna Center over on the coast. Um, I understand Camarillo um, opened up a new center not too long ago that was designed and built for the CCC. And now there's going to be one in Delta. Delta Center is an important place. It's in the middle of California. It's centralized in the state and it's in the middle of the, the Delta. That's why it's called Delta Center. And an emergency that commonly happens in the Delta region are floods. And Delta Center has been built specifically to handle flood emergencies. When flood emergencies happen, you can have you can need a lot of core members in one place at one time. They all need to be fed. They all need to be housed. Um, there needs to be overhead so that people can plan. Um, and I, I, I've seen flood centers... <laughs> um, grow pretty big. I was a C1 or a crew supervisor at Delta Center in 1997 for a couple of pretty big flood events. And I saw the old Delta Center opened up and uh, housing a bunch of crews. The, the, the floods at the end of 1997, I don't remember exactly how many crews there were. There were at least 25 crews. That's in a, you know including the, the five crews that normally worked out of Delta Center. So 25 crews times 15 core members and a supervisor on each crew. That's about 400 people that would need to be housed and fed. Um, 
and taking care of facilities for vehicles and shops and tools and all that sort of thing. So that's 400 boots on the ground, as they say. Plus, you would have to have overhead on top of that. You have to have uh, people taking care of payroll and timekeeping. Uh, you've got to have your supervisors, people directing the emergency. In big events like that, um, it becomes a little army. They use the incident command system. And everybody has an assignment. Everybody has a job. Like, for instance, when I worked on those floods in 1997, I, I was uh, just one crew. Um, and I was given uh, Delta One to be the supervisor of. And so at the morning briefing, uh, the incident command um, at the time, uh, Scott Wolsey, he would give us our assignments. and we, Each crew would be assigned to a division. This is how big this thing was. So, like, for instance, he would say, division such and such. It's going to be uh, Delta One, Delta Five, Sequoia Three. Um, and you guys are going to go out to Bradford Tract, and you're going to be laying Visquin for wave wash protection. And that was our assignment. So then after the, the morning briefing, we would get together with our division, the other I got together with the supervisors from the other two crews, and we had a division leader who was in charge of all three, and he would give us our assignments. He would tell us the route we were going to be taking um, and all the necessary information uh, to, to fight that flood effectively. And these, are, they, they, these can be huge operations, and the idea that they built a center from the ground up to be able to take care of these is really cool. Um, the state is really going to benefit from it a lot. Um, they have facilities there um, to do the annual flood training too, and we're coming up to flood season, and so flood training is right around the corner. I know last year centers were doing flood training um, end of November into December. You want to have your training done before it starts to rain, before you need to put it into uh, into place. Um, so I, I hope to get down to Delta Center, um, take a look around the place, and maybe cover their flood training. Um, in addition to the, the flood training up here in the north that I covered last year, I'd like to repeat that again. Um, so hats off to the new Delta Center. Um, may you live long and uh, become renowned flood fighters. You're listening to CCC Hardcore. I'm your host, George Parker. And we were just talking about flood fighting. And you know what? Every former has a story worth telling. And I know that a lot of you out there listening to this have flood fighting stories. You've got pretty good flood fighting stories. You've got stories of what happened out there on the levees. You've got stories of what happened in camp. You've got stories of what happened in the CCV. And we want to hear those stories. That's the whole point of this podcast is that every corner has a story worth telling. So send me your flood fighting stories. Uh, I want to hear them and I want to, I want to share them. You can write them down and, or you can just send me an inquiry. Uh, you can send emails to grinningdwarf at gmail.com or you can call me at 530-410-4683. Now I'm pretty rural. Um, that's probably going to go to the voicemail. Make sure that you leave a message. If you leave a message, I will get back to you. That's 530-410-4683 or emails to grinningadwarf at gmail.com. Uh, another thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to post links um, to stories about like the crews heading off to Florida and things like that. And you can find those in the show notes. 
Um, you got here one of two ways. You either came through the CCC Hardcore blog, and there will be stories over there with the links, or you got here through the Podbean podcast, and I'll have links to all of this stuff um, at those places. And that brings us to our final segment of CCC Hardcore. The episodes aren't quite edited and ready to go yet, but I know that you've been waiting a long time, and so I wanted to give you a little preview, a little taste of what's going to come. So we're going to hear some clips from those interviews. We're going to hear what a diverse group of people get together to form these trail crews. We're going to hear a little bit about the backgrounds of what they were doing before they joined the Seas. Before the CCC, I was in high school. Before backcountry, I had just graduated college and I was working my first marketing job in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Um, I was about to become head of the department at about 22 years old. Wow. And I decided that I, there had to be more to life than this. And I sent out a plea to the universe. And <laughs> I think, I think it, backcountry found me. What did you do before this? Oh, uh, before this, I was a student um, at San Jose State University. I studied animation illustration, and then I went traveling, and then I just kind of was uh, coasting, I guess, trying to figure out what to do next. I did a lot of different things. I did, um, like, I worked at um, local fast food restaurants, um, Jack in the Box, yeah. and McDonald's, and stuff like that. I worked carpentry and construction down in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Went to school down there. Okay. Before that, I was just getting on continuation school mm-hmm. and um yeah but okay. i mean before backcountry i was on a fire crew and everything okay uh was it a seas crew no it was uh the hot shots golden eagles okay and uh sandy on the on the res in san diego okay um, kumie uh i was going to school um i went to ucsd okay. i studied political theory there just before backcountry i was in india oh wow for six months i did a four month long um yoga course in mm-hmm. A state in the east of India. Okay. Um, and then before that, I was living in New York for two years. Wow. Before that, I farmed in Europe. Before that, I was in college. Um, I was living in Louisiana. I live south of New Orleans, and I was fishing with my family. We're going to hear a little bit about what they did during the season, things that they saw, places that they went, challenges that they faced. It's rock work. Okay. Yeah, I've never done rock work before in my life other than coming to this program. So, you know, doing that was uh, very frustrating. It tested my patience. I thought I had pretty good patience. Biggest challenge, probably the shyness at first and worrying about my relationship with my crew. Mm -hmm. I've always been a shy person, so it was hard to open up and warm up to everything mm-hmm. um, that's the real challenge of backcountry is you know to live and work and be constantly around um, either 12 or 17 other people mm-hmm. um, and that was hard um, the negative voice in my head telling me I couldn't do it mm-hmm. so I would like be hiking along and my brain would tell me you can't hike this. You're, you can't hike this. Your body's going to give up. You can't do it. But eventually I got that voice to shut up mm-hmm. and I kept hiking. Uh, it's beautiful. Like the, the views, um, just like you see, you know, conifers everywhere. Mm-hmm. The lakes, are, those alpine lakes are beautiful. They're mm-hmm. some of the clearest waters I've ever seen. Well, they told us originally 
it was only going to be a week of storms, and it turned out to be like a great big monsoonal season of straight month of storm, maybe a month and a half. And so it was just like, (laughs) that surprised me, the weather, Mm because it was in the middle of summer and it was like downpour every day, and lightning, and it was crazy. The emphasis on safety, I guess I hadn't quite realized. It was always more of, you know, hearing these stories about people doing these crazy things and seeing these crazy things and then going there. It was like, yeah, don't do those crazy things. (laughs) You're going to die. We had a lot of really good lakes to Mm -hmm. visit. Um, So one of one of my favorites was actually one of the ones that was closest to our camp is Lion Lake. Mm -hmm. And it's just this beautiful little lake. You have to climb up super steep uh, hill to get there. Um, but when you come out over the pass, you can look down and you see the lake and you look up and you see Shasta. And wow. It's just, it's a beautiful view. Wow. A lot of bears over there, a lot of problem bears. Hmm. So they kind of came into our camp fairly often. Okay. So what chase you them off. I'd say what to do about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you scream as loud as you can and just chase them out of camp. I almost left. Um, oh, yeah? Twice. Okay. And then um, the community came together and convinced me that they needed me and that they wanted me there and said that they believed in me. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. And we're going to hear about some lessons that they learned over the summer, things that they're going to take along with them for the rest of their lives. And we're going to hear some advice that they might have for people who want to follow in their footsteps next season. And that could be you. My words of wisdom is talk to the people who make you most uncomfortable. (laughs) That's how you learn the most. And I learned the most that way. Uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody says it, but just do it. Just yeah. go for it. And, um, yeah, don't pack too much if you end up going. And just give all that you can every single day. Do it. It's simple as that. <laughs> it's going to be hard. And you're going to wish you could quit sometimes, definitely. Mm-hmm. But do it and stick with it and it will be one of the more meaningful things you've ever done probably because i mean for me i felt i really feel like it really changed my life it's like well for that is like oh i got to see look at myself in the backcountry mirror i got to see like i guess uh, pieces of me that are actually hide like behind society like yeah it's behind like the black mirror you know staring at a phone or just kind of like i like even like certain things like we've had have an argument with other crewmates it just seemed like when i really wanted to like run away from an argument or just kind of like i wanted to show them off it's like i really couldn't because one it's like that's my crewmate and i care a lot about them mm-hmm. so kind of had to figure out different ways to make everything work so yeah. it's like just uh even though like it wasn't uh, problem solving between the crew and stuff yeah. so i mean I, I feel like that only brought us up to not give up no matter how much you want to like quit at certain points to just keep going and live it day by day because it's like i couldn't imagine if i quit i'd really regret that and like the experience overrides any like emotional thing you're feeling in that moment will pass so just like get over it just be sure to laugh at things like that when you just realize dang what the heck am i doing i'm out in the mountains getting paid to play around in dirt and move rocks around so it's just good to be happy and allow yourself to be happy at all the tiny things because it'll definitely get at you all the heat and dirt and cuts and bruises and things and i met some of the most amazing people i've ever met in my life that year and i continue to in this line of work this program saved my life it absolutely saved my life i was in a very terrible place mentally and getting to be outside getting to be in nature from a girl that 
grew up in New York City. It was such a like life-changing, life-saving opportunity to get to be around people who really, really cared, to be around people mm-hmm. who thought you mattered yeah. and cared about you and wanted to get to know you, to do hard work that just made you hurt every day, to know that if you can push yourself through this program, through this work, through this lifestyle with people that you never thought you'd talk to in your entire life, Mm -hmm. then you can do anything. And that's just an example of the types of stories you're going to be hearing starting next week on CCC Hardcore uh, with the 2018 Backcountry Trail Cruise. And I have something special for you this year. Uh, In addition to Corumverse, who just finished the Backcountry Trails program, I was also able to speak to some several former Backcountry Corumverse people who have done it seasons previous and who uh, I encountered at debriefing for one reason or another. Uh, Sometimes they're sponsors uh, or a staff member with the Backcountry program. Uh, In fact, uh, there was one person that we spoke to that you heard interviewed last year on CCC Hardcore, uh, who was back at debriefing, and we'll get a chance to find out what that person is up to this year. I know that some of you guys out there listening have trail stories of your own. Uh, I know that some of you have been on backcountry trail crews. I know a lot of you have worked trails with regular CCC crews. I know a lot of you have been on trails spikes. Trails is one of the big projects that the CCC does. So I want to hear your trails stories. Send in your trails stories to CCC Hardcore. Same places um, I referred to earlier. Um, you can contact me through email at grinningdwarf at gmail.com uh, or by phone, 530-410-4683. Or you can even reach me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page for CCC Hardcore, and it's easy to find. It's just CCC colon Hardcore, just like it, uh, just like it sounds. Um, I do have to say that the views expressed on this podcast represent those of the host and the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the California Conservation Corps or its sponsors. Uh, The music that you heard in today's podcast is a song called Boogie Part One by the Tall Pines, and I believe they're out of Georgia. Um, And they've graciously given me permission to use their music for the podcast. Uh, They like what we're doing here, and they're really into it. Um, if you like the music that you're hearing, if you like that kind of blues, if you like that kind of uh, uh, guitar work, uh, check them out. Uh, they've released that song, Boogie Part 1, as a single, and it's available on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes Store, Deezer, Amazon, Amazon Music, or Tidal. And I'll have links to all of these things on the show notes at Podbean and also at uh, the, the blog, the CCC Hardcore blog. So, until next week, uh, happy trails. Boogie in the evening, boogie when the sun went down.